Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the upcoming. Doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter. We're here to talk about all the best and the brightest as they make their way to their dream careers. I'm your host, Jonathan Carr. Join me as we have a spectacular conversation with an equally spectacular person. You ready? Let's go. Hello, world, and welcome to The Upcoming, the perfect place to catch the best and brightest on their way to the top. Joining me now for The Upcoming's 41st episode, straight out of Purchase College, just like myself. He has a BA in playwriting and screenwriting. While he was doing that, he minored in uh, mathematics and computer science. He was also part of the Improv Club and many other places, specifically around comedy and entertainment. He is a hilarious dude, and he has achieved so much uh, in his time. Now he's a an intern with, or was an intern with the Greenwich International Film Festival. That was amazing. And he's taking his talents uh, elsewhere in entertainment. And now he's here to talk about what he's accomplished, what he wants to do, and just, you know, where he sees himself going because, you know, I've got nothing but excitement for this guy. So, ladies and gentlemen, for the first episode, I've got the incredible Thomas Esposito. How's it going, Thomas? Good, good. Thanks for having me, John. Good to hear your voice again. <laughs> it's good to hear yours too, man. So, with every episode of the upcoming, you gotta ask this. Uh, I always let my guests introduce themselves. So, Thomas, please indulge us. Who and well, what exactly are you? Uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head with your introduction. <laughs> I don't remember giving you all that information. I don't know, I must have sent my resume or something, but... Yeah, I um middle of summer now, closer to the end. I graduated from purchase in this May. And ever since then I've been kinda, you know, vibing. Um when I was there I was like you said, studying screenwriting, a lot of that kind of writing stuff. I was an RA with you, that's how we met. And that brings us to here. Working on your podcast. Yeah, man. So just tell me about you and uh, let's just go, let's do your um, background right now. So just tell me about uh, your relationship with uh, entertainment and how it sort of motivated you to, you know, start uh, learning it with playwriting and screenwriting. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like it's like similar to a lot of people who kind of start out, you know, as a kid, really liked movies. And, you know, obviously a lot of people like movies, but like I didn't have anything else that I really liked you know like I wasn't into sports and so just you know watching TV shows watching movies you know having a kind of story where now like as a kid I'd go play with my toys I'd make a story kind of inspired by the things I'd watched and then that kind of you know that those interests kind of stuck with me into you know young adulthood and when I found out it was actually my brother. He's a year older than me. When he was looking for colleges that he was interested in writing and, you know, entertainment and all that. And so witnessing him going through that decision of where to go to school, what to study, like the thought that you could go to school and study how to write movies and how to make TV shows and all that. It just seemed like the coolest thing ever that was like, too good to be true. And at the time, I was also thinking about where I was going to go to school and considering just like a plethora of different things 
totally separate anthropology, architecture, construction management. And I had some interest in all of them, but the screenwriting just blew everything else away. Like that was what sounded really cool, what I could really see myself being passionate about and something that I'd want to get, not just to like have a job, but to really like, you know, enjoy it and to be able to enjoy college and, you know, whatever I'd be doing afterwards. So there you go. It's really, it's really amazing, Thomas. So, you know, it's, funny how really writing can just do that for somebody and just be able to tell stories because I was uh, the same way. Yeah, I wasn't really a sports person in school or any of that, but I did have a love for um, for writing and for just being able to just do what I want. Yeah, paper. just kind of being, you know unleashed and left to your devices and kind of you could come up with whatever you want and whatever you write on the page it it goes you know you're allowed to do what you want to do perfect perfect so you know let me ask you a random question thomas what are your um when you're telling a story what do you think is like your favorite part to tell um, in that story? Like, is it like the climax? Is it like just uh, opening conflict? Is it like a certain character drama? What do you think it is? Like, like what's my story to tell like that? Yeah, like uh, when, you, when you're telling a story and like, um, you know, you, you got like, you got all mapped out. Like, what's your... Um, like, your favorite, your favorite parts of writing a story? Is it like the characters or... Like the opening trauma, like just mm-hmm. take us through that, like give us some details. Yeah, so a lot of the the writing that I do is comedy. So the intention is that it's funny, and I haven't been writing for very long, so I'm still kind of getting down, like my formula, I guess you could say. And it's funny because while I'm writing things, there'll be like separate projects, there'll be recurring themes where I was like this scene feels a lot like a scene I was writing in a different script or this, you know, kind of dichotomy, you know, relationship between two characters in this movie is a lot similar to two characters in another thing that I wrote. And so you kind of see like through lines kind of recurring. But I think that one of my favorite parts to write is like in comedy when you write a scene that like you know doesn't really move the plot forward but just kind of is there for just kind of fun a little bit where it doesn't have to you know it doesn't have to take the character necessarily to a new spot but like if it's if it's funny if it's fun then it can kind of be thrown in there for a couple minutes and you know as long as it's worth the time and laughter then you know it's Maybe it could get away with not, you know, being part of the of the plot. And so that's the kind of stuff I like to write when you can kind of just, you know, stop and slow down and just kind of, you know, maybe a character, they have an argument about like, I don't know, about like how you pronounce a word or something dumb like that, or 
they're able to just get in like a tangent for a little while. That's the kind of stuff that I like because it's kind of like it's low pressure because then for a couple pages, you don't have to worry about like, oh, like, why would they do this? And how am I going to get them to go here and do that? And it's just kind of like, you know, it's it's just fun to write. And, and the hope is that it will be fun to watch for a potential audience. There you go, man. There you go. So, I mean, that's. I just love that you write comedy, honestly, because comedy itself is. We both know it's it's a really difficult uh, genre because mm-hmm. it's all about figuring out not just how what what makes you laugh, but what makes the audience laugh when you're uh, when you're telling that story. Like, what is like how how you can like just to keep them entertained and so it's it's a difficult work but you know you're putting you're putting that work in so yeah you've been writing uh any stuff lately any new projects comedy not comedy well i have been writing a um i've been writing a comedy and so okay i've been getting some positive uh positive uh reviews from that you know positive feedback so that's definitely give me help on that. How like how would you describe like the the type of comedy that you use in it? It's a uh, kind of like a stoner comedy. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, kind of kind of stoner comedy, some bit action uh, comedy in there. Kind of like a Seth Green meets uh, Ryan Reynolds or something like that. Okay, I watched that. <laughs> but uh, let me ask some. What was your all-time like? What is your all-time? This is a random question. What is your all-time favorite comedy? My all-time favorite comedy. You know, I think about like movies that I've seen a bunch of times, and so like every year around Christmas time, my family kind of has a little tradition of watching watching the movie Elf with Will Ferrell, and that's a classic. But I think I've always liked um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation more. And just part of the reason is because, like, Elf is more of a kid's movie and Christmas Vacation's more, it's it's more grown up. So, like, as a kid, I would like, I would like to be able to watch kind of that. You know, it's not super inappropriate, but it's more geared for adults, I feel, than Elf is. And so... Like Elf was just a kids movie. I could I'd watch that as long as I could remember. But then, like you know, Christmas Vacation, I kind of you know was allowed to watch that as I got older, and it still kind of has some of that that specialness where it's like you know sentimental. And watching it year after year, it's still funny. And you know, the jokes don't get old, and the lines you know it, it gets better as you're able to you know, say the lines along with the characters and yeah, that, that one has to be my favorite just because it's like the way that it starts out, you know, it starts out fairly normal and then gets more and more crazy and and you're with them every step of the way. Yeah. Movie is an absolute classic. I I love that movie too because you're right. It's something that like that like it it gets it gets better it's just as good as not if not better as you get older like they mastered that little art right there of 
just the timeless comedy because I that's one of these my favorite uh one of my favorite Christmas movies definitely yeah yeah and just like it's just so funny when like you'll watch it year after year and then one year you'll you'll like focus on a line that like you've heard every single year but you never really thought about or like you'll kind of notice something that obviously it's always been there it's the same movie but like you know it's just like you kind of just glanced over it every other year and then you know one year you're like huh like i never i never got that joke or i never noticed that he did that like the part when clark you know revs up the chainsaw and saws the like the the post off the staircase that's like a, an easter egg to um it's a wonderful life because mm. in that movie like whenever what was his name george would run down the stairs like the little i don't know what you call it the little post on the the staircase it would like wobble and then it was same thing christmas vacation clark just sold it off wow had really never thought of that. Oh, that's clever. Hmm. Just, just movies giving love to other movies. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, the like, people who make them, you don't make movies if you haven't been watching them your whole life. Mm, that's true. That's definitely true. So... Thomas, you know, comedy, like I said, it's it's difficult, but to use and you embrace the, the genre. How um what are some things you're thinking about when you um when you write these uh when you write these stories? And because I know you gotta figure out like, you know, how you can just make these not only just make these stories funny, but also just make them like just like in just the kind of story that people wanna just continue to follow as as it goes on. Yeah. One thing that I always have to be weary of, and this is like increasing, I become aware of it is just like making things, I guess you could say cohesive and like easy to understand. Cause I have like a tendency to like kind of really beef up my dialogue to make it kind of, I, I don't, I don't want to say like explain it, but kind of like to over ensure that I don't, you know, leave any plot holes because you know like i think back to as a kid watching i'm sure you've seen like you know how it should have ended or all these different youtube channels where they they like look at a movie and then they'll just like pick it apart and rip it to shred like oh like you know why didn't the character do this or they if they just did this then you know the the whole movie wouldn't have had to happen and so i'm always trying to like with my dialogue you know you know, have a character say like, oh, you know, we can't do this because of X, Y, Z and have some throwaway line that would like, you know, put a bandaid over a plot hole and try and make it like, you know, um, come up naturally and not sound like, you know, not sound like too gratuitous and just kind of making it all sound, you know, cohesive. And in some cases, being able to leave it to the audience to figure it out. Like if I have all the information, I don't need a character to like spoon feed it to the audience. You know, they're able to come up with their own, you know, conclusions and, you know, figure it out on their own and talk about it if they need to. And that's kind of what you would want as, 
as as a writer, I guess you want people to have things to think about instead of just like you know giving everything to them freely, and especially with comedy, like you just have to trust that your audience is going to eventually figure things out on their own and understand things, even if it takes them two, three, four viewings of the movie, or if they have to view it every year on Christmas in order to get a joke that you wrote, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. It's it's just kind of a formula there, you know, just something as a formula that the each writer has got to figure out for themselves just how they're going to be able to um, just bring about just entertainment all around. So it's like people who wrote Elf, like they had to like really think about like how they were going to like keep the story entertaining from beginning to end and how they were going to be able to, you know, make people laugh and like trying to leave like a dull moment. Uh, anywhere in the story. And as you write uh, your comedies, uh, what's something you're constantly like worried about? I'm worried that it's not funny enough. <laughs> and it's like when you read about people who like, oh, you know, when so-and-so picks up a script and they read it, they want to be laughing like, you know, every, every 20 seconds. I don't know. I just made that up, but there, there has to be like, you know, it's like, yeah, it's one thing if you have like a plot where if I explain like the bare bones of it, you go, Oh, okay. That, that's kind of funny. Or like, you know, you kind of chuckle. Um, then it's one thing, like if things happen that are like, Oh, that's funny. Or like, you kind of, you know, laugh at a little bit or if the jokes are funny or if you kind of like, you kind of get that. Yeah. It's, it's funny, but like not enough to laugh at it. Like that, that's like a big distinction where people like, if you, if you're watching a funny movie, you want to laugh. You don't just want to go, Oh yeah, that's funny. Like, you know, they did a good job. You want to like really like be laughing and laughing to the point like where you get out of breath like that that's what you want when you watch a, a, a movie that calls itself funny and so you know if you write a funny movie it should be funny and like when you're writing those jokes if you want people to laugh at them you should be laughing at them while you're writing them and you know it happens every now and then while I'm writing and I always have that thought in my head, like, you know, what could I do that's kind of out of place that would be funny? And, you know, I, I laugh a lot of times and just makes me think, you know, that's good. I should keep it up and see how consistently I could, you know, make it like not just funny, but really like laughable. There you go. Yeah, you know, that's something, you know, I, I have to worry about, too. Just, uh, is it funny? Is it funny enough? Because we both know there's times where it's just um, that we think um, we think hit and someone else would be like, eh, I just yeah. out there. But, you yeah, know, the, the worst is when, like, 
you're in a group and you say a joke and then like no one really responds and you're like, damn, I thought that was like a really good one. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah, we've all been there. It's um It's really just uh Uh, but I think it's a, it's a challenge, but it makes it all the more exciting to um, as being a writer because there are going to be challenges to that and going to be thing. And it's also just also this why you know feedback is all the more uh, important. Yes, it's all it's all the more necessary when you're able to hear from other people about your about your work. Uh, you um. You think wisdom? It actually makes me curious. Now I'll just move on to you know your career um, afterwards. When you um writing and uh, you share with uh, others your jokes and your ideas, uh, what are some of the best? Uh, what do you think are some of the best compliments you can get uh, for your work? I think the best compliment that you can get is. I mean, this doesn't just go for me. Like in my opinion, this is the best compliment anyone can get is when. <laughs> like someone like it's not more about like just what they say it's like what they do and if they hear your idea and then they kind of yes end it where they're like oh i really like that like have you considered this or like you could also do this and it like it's not it's not about like you know now i have to include their idea and make sure that there's room for it with mine but it's just like the fact that like they're interested enough where like something something in their head clicked and they're like, you know, I like that idea. Like here's like how I would do it, like here's what I would add to it. And it just kind of shows that like it resonates with them. And and to me that's better than hearing like, Oh, I really like that. Like, yeah, yeah, that's good. Like, yeah, you do you or some you know, something like that. Where like they're they're interested enough to like kind of reciprocate and like offer their ideas and that it shows that like they're thinking about it and that they're interested in it and it's kind of like immediate proof that they're interested that they're like willing to kind of pitch in a little bit and you know give me like their own little spin on on my idea and because that's what i want to hear and then who knows maybe they will give me an idea that i could use and then right off the bat like they're their first impression of the idea is kind of helpful to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good compliment right there. People are able to hop in and they get their own ideas flowing. It just makes it all, all better when you, you know, you just have more ideas to help, uh, support yours. And, yeah, this is this is why just collaboration and everything is is great, hundred percent. And so that's how you are able to tell your stories. But let's just move on to you as um as a worker because you were part of the freaking oh my gosh, you were part of the Greenwich International Film Festival. As an intern, please tell mm-hmm. us about that because that's really cool. Yeah, um, I had a lot of a lot of fun with them. Um, it was kind of interesting how like I was with them for like a semester, and I believe it was like Feb- early February to May, 
of, of this year of 2023. And like in that time, I like it, it kind of changed like the internship where it was like, I was, I felt like as I was with them, you know, for those couple months, I was, you know, doing more and, and better things throughout it where it was almost like I kind of, you know, started out with, you know, doing more, you know, less involved, kind of more easygoing things. And then by the end I was, you know, going to like some of their events and it was a lot of fun. Um, the actual like title was like programming interns. So they have, you know, their promotional events, their, you know, well, I mean, they have a lot of events, their film festival. Um, so just kind of helping out with that, whether it's like social media or doing some kind of research or like actually going to the event and kind of helping out. That was a lot of the stuff I did. And it was, it was a lot of fun where in the beginning I was kind of doing more research. So like beginning I was doing more like, you know, like in like, you know, at home doing more like online work and I was doing research for like, you know, if they were having an event coming up, they'd want to get like, like they want to try and get some celebrities there and they'd invite them based on like, you know, what the event was. So we had, an event that was coming up and this was like, you know, like the, the, the big thing for the, for the time that I was there where we were having this event that was a, like a spotlight, like an interview with Brendan Fraser. So he was going to be coming in and, you know, they were going to be interviewing him. They like, they had someone else come in and interview him and it was kind of just like people who come and watch it. And, you know, some people got to do a meet and greet. So, that was a big thing and we'd like known about it for a while before like the actual thing came up. So like one of the things I had to do was like, all right, like, you know, we're going to see if there's any, you know, celebrities, people who Brendan Fraser might know who would be in the Connecticut area, like who live around here. So I was going through like his whole filmography, like, you know, like, Oh, you know, he worked with so-and-so who lives in New York and, you know, just coming up with all these people who we can invite. And I don't think we actually ended up getting any of those people there, but it was just kind of exciting because, you know, it was going to, Brendan Fraser was going to be there. It was really cool. And then, you know, when that event actually did come, I was, I was there and I was, you know, I, I didn't meet him, you know, but I got to see him and, you know, that, that alone made the whole thing, the whole internship worth it. Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. Yes. Oscar winning Brendan Fraser of the whale fame. That's just a whale. Freaking the mummy, George of the jungle. The mummy. Yeah. Looney Tunes back in action was, I think the role I know him best by. Oh my God. You were talking about um, Brendan. Dude, that's awesome. That is, that, is the, that is the greatest thing ever. Yeah, it was, it was cool. I wish you could have gotten, like, you could have been able to get, like, a photo with that guy. Yeah. I was I was told ahead of time, like, yeah, you know, since, like, I was working there, you know, just, it would, you know, don't, don't ask him for a picture or autograph anything like that. And I was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. 
even without being told, well, I wasn't gonna. But you know what I mean? Yeah, I totally get what you mean. But still, freaking, oh my gosh, yes. Uh, what was but, funny was after the little Q&A so it was kind of like he was being asked like questions by the interviewer and there was like the audience kind of just listening in so it wasn't like the audience asked questions at least they might have I actually don't fully remember so then after that that was like the main event then there's a little reception afterwards where in this this venue that we had you know upstairs there was like this little lounge it was actually pretty big it was a big lounge and that's where people could kind of go they could kind of you know get some of their drink get a little something to eat so there was that room and then off to the side there was another room and that's the room where brendan fraser and his his entourage his you know you know his family his friends they were in that room off to the side and that's where they had you know, the, the step and repeat where like, it's like the backdrop that you take pictures against. And which was my, that was, that was my job to set that up with a couple other interns. And so, you know, Brendan Fraser's in this room off to the side, there's a smaller lounge off to the side of the bigger lounge that Brendan Fraser's in. And so like a couple like other volunteers and I, we were kind of told to just kind of stand there and kind of, you know, to kind of keep people from going in, but it was once people went up there, it was just totally swamped, and like everyone was trying to go in and get a picture with Brendan Fraser. I mean, you know, seems seems pretty obvious, but I thought that it was going to be like more like civilized, and there was like a guest list where like only some people could were supposed to like go in and see Brendan Fraser and. Yeah, I think a lot more people than were on the guest list ended up getting in, but you know, yeah, yeah you gotta get your gotta get your Brennan Freezer photo. You gotta, you gotta. It's practically mandatory. Yes, honestly, it's um, it's uh. <clears throat> It's just been walking around. All this Your dog. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, so it's really, it's really cool things you're able to um, uh, achieve just uh, already. But you know, what is something? What do you think is probably the most important thing that uh, internship taught you? It's a good question. I think the most important thing is that. Probably the importance of emails, just like how that is just like everyone's preferred method of communication. And, you know, a lot of times if you want to get something done, it starts out with sending an email and then it might, you know, it might take some back and forth. But, you know, you kind of got to be patient. You got to be professional. You got to word things properly and be sophisticated in your email lingo and then you're able to kind of coordinate things and make new connections all by being good at sending emails. So, you know, I think it's something that's like, even just like getting the job, you got to send a lot of emails and you got to get in that habit of, you know, 
Got to be willing to send emails, type it out. Even if you have to make an introduction, it's it's like everything you do. You have to send an email. So that was kind of like, you know, and not just like being told that like, oh, yeah, I, I know emailing is important, but just kind of like also like realizing, like, oh, yeah, it's like every day. It's like you got to send emails. And that's not bad. Like I'm not complaining. I'm just commenting like just something you got to do. And, you know, you got to learn how to be good at it. So you really do. Email etiquette. You really do, because you know it's not. You're right. It's not enough to just be able to write by telling stories. You gotta know how to like send out um, emails, messages, like LinkedIn messages. It's all like there's so many different ways to writing, like so many different uh, styles. And but uh, writing like business wise, like just sending out, hey, hello, I'd like to request or like give me an introduction to yourself. I'm like, hey, I just get. Taking time to um, schedule mm-hmm. a talk, it's all you know, it's all about like communication, really, and it's kind of what writing is, you know. Just whether storytelling or not, you're just communicating uh, with the, with the people, yeah, one way or in one way or the other. But yeah, you gotta get them. I don't know. You gotta get them engaged, and then gotta get them engaged. Yeah. You gotta get them engaged. That's the most that's the most important lesson, and you gotta keep them engaged too. Once once you got their attention, but yeah, you also uh, that's not the only internship you've you've had. You were also um, internship with um, like a Kid Vision, weren't you, with uh, South Florida PBS? Yep, that was my first internship. My first of two so far. Um, so that was like when I was, geez, it's like difficult to remember the stuff that was like December of 2021. I think I applied and then I interviewed like that winter break and then I started the next semester and it was kind of funny the way that I found out about it because I was in this this class that semester called career planning and decision making. And it was a one credit class. And I decided I'd take it because after I signed up for, you know, all the other classes I wanted or needed to take, I had, you know, that was like 17 credits out of the 18 that I could take. So I was like, Oh, you know, let me see if there's another class I could take. And so I found that one, you know, it was one credit. It met for like an hour a week. And I was like, all right, you know, can't hurt. You know, if I learned one thing from that class, it'll be worth it. And yeah, I learned, I learned plenty from that class. And one of the things we had to do was write a cover letter, you know, for anything. And, you know, with the cover letter, it's like, it has to, it's kind of like more so than the resume is tailored to that specific job. So, you know, I couldn't just write like, um, the generic one size fits all cover letter. So I, I went on to job score, which is the, you know, the kind of website that purchase has for kind of jobs relating to purchase boards of study that students might want to go get. And so I found, you know, I was looking for jobs that I might want to apply to that I could write this cover letter assignment for. And I found the kid vision internship one. And I was like, all right, you know, 
I'll write my cover letter based on that. So that's what I did. Wrote the cover letter for the assignment based on as if I were applying to the job. Got my feedback from the te- from the teachers and then, you know, fix it up a little bit. And then once I had the cover letter, I was like, well, I kind of already did the hard part. I might as well now apply to this internship. And so I applied. And a little while later, I heard back and they wanted to schedule an interview. And so I interviewed. And it was the interview was like really it was like kind of funny because I was just interviewing with them. And but it wasn't like um it wasn't like what you'd think an interview was where I was kind of pitching myself. It was more like I was being presented with like, oh, this is what kid vision is. And then just kind of being told, this is what you'd have to do. And then at the end, I was told, so if you want the job, you should email like so-and-so from HR. And I was like, okay, I think I'm going to go do that. So I did that and I got the job. And so, yeah, that's, that's how it happened. And I guess I should also clarify what kid vision is. It's kind of, it's a show basically. So it started out as a kind of, it kind of evolved a little bit where it was, it has to do a lot with like pre-K education where on the one hand, it's partly like, like um education kind of curriculum almost for pre-K programs. And so like schools can kind of, you know, be a part of it and they could kind of subscribe to it and they'll get these packages where it has the learning material and it has like, they're called virtual field trips where it'll kind of just be like a video of, of like the, um, the founder of kid vision, her name, you know, the cat, her real name is, is Penny Burnath and the kind of character's name is Miss Penny. And so she'll kind of, you know, with some, some kids, they'll go out and, you know, they'll go to like, say like a post office and they'll kind of explore like what happens at a post office. And then that's the video, like that's the content and they're the virtual field trips. And part of the package is also, it has like worksheets. So if you were in a classroom or even just at home, you could watch the field trip and then do different activities based on it, where it could be like, you know, coloring, a, coloring in a picture or like kind of, you know, doing different exercises based on that lesson. So the field trip started out as YouTube videos and they've been going on YouTube since like 2009, I think is when it like really started. And then around the time that I joined, which was, what would that have been, 2021, 22, they were in the process of, you know, getting funded for a television pilot where they were going to air, they were going to like make a pilot episode for a TV show called Kid Vision Mission. And then they were going to air it in South Florida on some of the different, you know, channels that PBS has down there. So I came in at just like just the right time at Kid Vision where they were kind of transitioning from just YouTube content and their own website to they're making a TV show. And that was like the coolest thing ever to me. And it still kind of is. It's got to be. It's got to be. Because that already just sounds like the coolest thing ever. I mean, you had to work for freaking PBS, man. 
and you had to like be behind the scenes and see how like how they were like just focusing their entertainment on children, how everything was being put into play. That was your first ever internship and you got it with such a cool company yeah. right there. Yeah, that was like that was my thoughts exactly. I was so the person who, who kind of my supervisor for that internship was also the the woman who hired me and, and bless her heart because she knew that I mean, she knew she was hiring like a screenwriting major at the time. And she was like, oh, you know, this will be great. You'll be a perfect fit for when we're writing scripts for the television episodes. And so because on the one hand, it was like, yeah, you know, that was kind of my wheelhouse. That was what I was going into. But on the other hand, she was just like, you know, she was just a saint where she was like, oh, you want to you want to write scripts. So that's what I'm going to have you do. And it was, it was crazy. It was like the first, like I never would have thought that I would even have come close to doing that with my, that was like the first job I had relating to screenwriting. And yeah, I like, I like couldn't believe it. I was like, no, there's gotta be like some kind of like some kind of twist where like, you know, this isn't going to, work out the way i hope it does but but no you know i was i was involved with that script for the pilot episode where it was like 20 minutes long you know standard pilot length i guess and what they kind of did was they had combined i mentioned that they had on youtube they had previous field trips where you know they'd go around to different places two of those field trips were somewhat related one of them was a field trip to the library one of them was a field trip to a comic book store and they were each about 10 minutes in length so for the pilot they combined those two existing videos that they filmed and so my job was kind of to come up with you know like the kind of i guess you could call them like the the caps, I guess, like the begin, like the intro. So there'd be like an intro and then we'd show the first field trip and then there'd be kind of a transition and then the second field trip and then like a closing. So all those in between segments, they had to be written and then filmed. And so that was, that was what I got to write. And, you know, when you're, writing for that kind of thing like when you're writing something it's not a given that like word for word your lines are going to come through like that the actor is going to say that word for word and that that take is going to be used in the final product but while they were filming these transition segments they had like you know they had like a, a set for kid vision where where miss penny was kind of you know saying the lines and they were filming in south florida so while they were filming they pulled up zoom on a laptop and they they called me and this was like my supervisor and there were a couple other interns who were they were able to be on set because they lived in florida so they're able to go there we were all invited but i was you know i was at purchase so i wasn't able to i wasn't able to go so they had me on zoom doing you know the call so that I, my laptop i was watching them filming the the segments the scenes that i wrote and it was oh my gosh it was the coolest thing ever watching this and then i was in fort awesome at the time you know the dorm room we lived in dorm building and while i was on the zoom the fire alarm went off and 
So I had to, you know, I had to, you know, leave, leave the building, go outside. And then by the time I came back, they were like done. And like, or the, the call had like ended and they like wrapped up and I was like, oh, too bad. But for those, just up until that fire alarm, I was, I was just, having the time of my life. Yeah. Just to set the record straight, like in case, um, it was much for or anyone missed it. Me and Thomas were uh, RAs together, uh, resident advisors together in uh, Fort Austin, I believe. Uh, we we both shared the equal. We both shared uh, distaste, extreme distaste for those fire alarms. They were uh, they they would go off at like two in the morning. Yeah, and they and they were not drills because when there was when a fire drill would happen, we would have had to be in charge of like kind of I don't know, I guess managing it, I guess, as RAs. But there were only two actual drills per semester and like they were scheduled ahead of time, you know, like a drill is. And so, you know, all those other alarms they were they were not drills, they were not the responsibility of there was someone else doing yeah. something. They were not drills. They were just screwing with us. They, they, just they, yeah, getting in our were, heads. Yeah. You, you remember that one, um, that one fire alarm that went off like at like maybe twelve, like one, maybe one in the morning, and it was like snowing outside. Yeah, that was actually kind of fun. But I think it was that one was like that night was like part of like a back-to-back fire alarm where it was either the night before that or night after there was another fire alarm because that was like two nights in a row and there was like the first two nights of the semester yeah i don't know if i remember there's there's just too many to remember yeah yeah i don't even know if i remember a back-to-back one that's the funny part because like you said we've had so many of them it was it was freshman housing, so there was a lot of things going on. It was absolutely absurd. People were so mad about that, and like they were mad at us, as if like yeah, like, as like if we, we sat down, we're like guys, like we don't have enough fire drills, like we need another. Thanks. First of all, we, why would we ever have a drill at like one or two in the morning, like? Yeah, true, because we had to, so we had, like, with the two drills, one had to be during the day, one had to be at night, but, like, when we would have them at night, like, we'd be kind of easy going with it, where it's like, oh, it just has to be dark, so we could do it at, like, nine o'clock, like, we're not waking people up in the middle of the night for a fire drill. Yeah, exactly, that's absolutely right, that's... Yeah, it's, it's 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 so fun, so funny uh, to think about. But you know, um, with all the jobs you've had, whether it be you know resident assistant to working with the Greenwich Film Festival, how have each and every one of these like prepared you uh, for the profession that you want to get into? Well, for starters, I guess each of them is another thing I could put on my resume, which is always nice to have. 
but I feel like each of them in their own way, it kind of helps in something. And in a lot of cases, it's something that you wouldn't expect where like you look at RA and I probably would have thought like, Oh, you know, like you learn how to, I don't know, enforce the rules or something like that. But really that's more just about like trying to pick your tone. Like if you're going to, you know, if you see someone who's doing something wrong, you know, they're breaking the rules, making a mess and you're like, all right, like, I'm going to approach a situation. You kind of have to figure out how you're going to do that, where it's like, am I going to, you know, be really stern and, you know, probably end up giving them a hard time? Or am I going to be kind of more like, I don't know. Um, I don't know what to call it, but just kind of more like relaxed and just kind of like, I like still kind of do what I have to do, but just kind of have a, a different tone where they're not going to be as apprehensive about it. And, you know, so that's kind of like what I would say I got from RA and each of them, they kind of just like test you in different situations where you're able to kind of figure out like, I mean, I I feel like I just circling around like how to deal with anyone in as many situations as you can, as you can experience where it's about like. You know, when you're doing a job, you have to tell someone something like even you're working at a store and you have to tell someone that, oh, you know, we're all out of that item that you're looking for. And just all these different situations and you kind of have to just figure out like what your approach is going to be and how you're going to, you know, communicate that with them is a big thing. And... And then how you would take that experience into your creative work too is another big thing. Cause it's like, you could one, when you're writing something, you, you draw on all your experience and you know, if that involves doing all these different things where you're interacting with people in different situations, then you have more of like, um, more of a variety to draw on and tap into. And so I guess like to, to put it more clearly, kind of just all these different jobs kind of help you to have a more like more of a source of like experience to draw on when you're interacting with people that you could bring into creative work. I love that. I love that answer. I love that answer. Thanks so much for that. I'm kind of iffy about it, but Mm, it's all good, man. So, um, last question. Once you finally finish with uh, your screenplays, would you work with a indie or a mainstream studio? It's funny because I've never really thought about it like that. I mean, I always kind of figured like, I like I kind of see myself like working for one of the the big ones where like if you mention them in like conversation as someone who's outside the industry they'd be like oh yeah I I know who like you know Universal oh yeah I I know what Universal is you know that's what, someone would say that but on the other side like when I'm actually like online you know whether it's LinkedIn or 
job score, like I mentioned before, you name it, when I'm looking for jobs and I find something I'm interested in, whether it's a company I've heard of or not, I'm going to apply to it. And if, you know, if I get a job I apply to, if they want to interview me, if they want to hire me, then I'm going to do that. And like, so I guess like it's to, to get down to it, it's more basically just whichever one happens to, to choose me first. Cause I'm just kind of trying, you know, throw my name in the hat for as many, for as many like different jobs that I'm interested in. But then again, like, I don't think I necessarily have to pick one over the other. Like I could maybe, maybe I could only be doing one at a time, but like maybe for one job, I'll, you know, end up working at like a big studio and maybe at another time, maybe a couple of years later or before I'll be working for, for an indie. I mean, either, either one of them, it sounds like it would be a fun and, you know, enriching experience where I could learn from one things that I wouldn't learn at the other. And I guess kind of have more, more stuff to draw on. But I, I do tend to see myself working at the bigger ones just because I know, because I'm more familiar, like, with those ones. All righty, then. All righty, then. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for episode 41 of the upcoming. Um, half of myself, just want to give um, a big thank you to my guest, uh, Thomas Esposito. Thanks so much for coming, Thomas. Thank you for having me, John. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, that is it for episode 41 of the upcoming. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the underscore upcoming podcast and also on the website upcomingwithjohn.com. And yeah, just be sure to stay tuned in for more amazing episodes of the upcoming. So, with that said, good night. Thank you for tuning in to the upcoming. If you like this, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Amazon Music, Pandora, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at the underscore upcoming podcast. The best yet to come. Take care, everybody.